This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 27, Noche de Sueños. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. A fun episode this week. Indeed. Um, Noche de Suenos. See, we need... We don't, have the, we don't have the Spanish speaking We need Audrey here. here to pronounce it for us, hopefully. She's so. on her way. <laughs> hopefully, we'll get her before the end of the episode here. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, um, and, and she, of course, would also have comments about, about the first dream that we see. Oh, the um, the the naked Carter dream. The naked Carter dream. <laughs> that that was. Um, there's a lot of male nudity in this show. <laughs> you know, I hadn't really thought about it until we started watching this all in a row. But there's a lot of male nudity going. That on. That was pretty funny, though. You know, you got to admit that was pretty funny. The, yeah. A couple of things funny about it. Okay. Number one, it's totally the kind of dream that you would have, you know, like you're at work doing normal stuff, right? Yeah. And I love how he just nonchalantly, and, you know, of course they had to film this too, which had to be funny. I mean, even if he's wearing a Speedo or something, it still had to be funny to be like, you know, walking around me like, yeah, I'm going to go get some coffee. You know? And he had that, um, that shh eating grin on his face uh, the whole time. Too. Nice censoring there. So I don't have to, <laughs> nice. Cause you know, like, I don't, don't want to cause an edit here, but yeah, I'll totally forget to beep it. And you fixed it for me. That's so kind of you. Yeah. That, that grin is just completely hilarious <laughs> and he's just like hey how's it going i'm gonna go get me some coffee <laughs> and then and then when he finally discovers you know what you see you realize that it was shared because you see it kind of you, you know you you see others start to but then it joe's like yeah grinning ear to ear and just laughing it's joe first but then nothing. then you see zoe and you're like that would mess me up oh I think I would need therapy after that. Like real oh, therapy. Oh, don't worry. Not, She's already in therapy. <laughs> not, not, not Eureka therapy, but like real, real therapy. Uh, no, no, uh, no neurological sunglasses therapy, like actual. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly. Just, yeah. It's like, oh, that's good. Let's, let's visualize a nude parent. That's, that's, that's what's going to mess. Not, that's not going to mess my brain up at all. No, that's <laughs> not right. That's not right. No. <laughs> um, what what were the other dreams that were that were going on? We had. Well, there were a lot of them. I mean, because for for a period of time there, they were essentially like running them down. Like they had the the police station was like uh, you know the the sheriff's office was overrun with people coming in like hollering about each other what each uh, what they did to each other in their dreams. <laughs> Right, it's like I didn't cheat on you. It was a dream. It's like yeah, I don't care. You're blah, 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 blah. And you're like holy crap, really? I mean, you think people could could you know? You stole my research. It's like no, I just dreamt of stealing your research. <laughs> Although you got to wonder um, how, how that there may have been some of that stuff that slipped in uh, from reality because we also saw the uh, Henry's dream of, Oh yeah. Of Henry zapping, uh, Carter, which was completely legitimate. And it also goes to show that he's still haunted by that. Such a great, like way to remind us to 
too about the fact that it's happening, just slipping it in there, and you kind of go, "Whoa, that hasn't been resolved yet." Yeah, it was. It was kind of I. I was kind of disappointed that it just got left there because it's like, wow, there's just two of us in this dream and it wasn't me. So was it you, Henry? He's like, no, nope, must have been, must have been something. That's weird. See ya. <laughs> you know, and that's part really? of it. It's the Carter just isn't that questioning kind of guy. He's not the kind of guy that's going to like. Well, that also just shows the trust that he has in Henry, too. Like there's no, there's there's no kind of suspicious look of what are you up to? It's just like, you know, this is his friend. He's not going to suspect him of anything. Yeah. I think he was legitimately just asking. It's like, hey, what was that? What was that? I, I don't get what the context of that was. And it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of suspicion or anything, just like curiousness. And Henry let it drop, and it just kind of got left there. But I, th- I think the fact that he was dreaming about it means that he is, he's still got that pretty fresh in his mind. Absolutely, absolutely. And- and it was certainly shown. They certainly showed us on purpose so that we are aware that that hasn't been resolved yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, that made me instantly start to think. Okay, this is a place that has a lot of secrets. I mean, a lot of secrets. And this just has to be almost almost as bad as when you know Beverly grabs the mic and starts. In 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 many ways, this is worse because she only knows a very specific cross section and. and I think the reason that there were so many people in, I mean, obviously there's going to be fantasies that everyone's getting angry about, uh, but there the reason there were so many people in there complaining is that maybe there were a lot of secrets that were yeah. outed. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, wait a minute. A lot of these people live with other people that have different classification level. Well, like, like the, like <laughs> different level, I, you know, some people section five, some people section janitor. Right. And, <laughs> You know they have to they have to live amongst each other, always keeping secrets from everybody. I mean that's the whole point of this town is it's a top secret project where everybody's working on top secret projects. And when you go out into the town, you're not talking you you're not talking about most of what you do, and you know that everybody else is doing the same thing. So I think that's why it really struck a chord for a lot of people in in this. Well, and and of course, the other big kind of like uh, significance to this a story is that is that we have we have Allison and we and we have Nathan. We have Nathan Stark, and the two of them are collaborating essentially to on on, on this solution to hopefully figure out what's going on with Kevin using this uh, this this machine to try to record his dreams and get into his head and see what's happening with the artifact and the kind of that's interesting in and of itself. But as far as I'm concerned, what's really cool about this is the fact that um, there's almost this kind of, um, there's such a separation between the two of them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They both have the same drive here. They want, they want what's best for Kevin. And I think they're both pure in that. You know, I don't think that Stark doesn't give a damn about it. I think he just cares more about Kevin than he does anybody else, you know? And, and I think that she isn't, you know, just trying to play games with her head or anything. She cares about Kevin and that's the only reason she's doing this. But the way they differ, the, the way they approach this, this problem differently and the concerns that they have and, and, and everything show how different they are as people. Like, I still don't think this makes Stark bad. 
You know, he's not evil. I have to admit that if if my son had this issue and I thought I could solve it and it, it involved some risk for others, I might do that. And I'm, I know that's not necessarily good either, but I guess I can certainly kind of see it. On the other hand, this is a rare thing for Allison where where Stark is pretty quick to jump into this sort of thing. And, <clears throat> you know, well, and- that's, well that, that's the difference between the two is Stark is a very logical person and it doesn't really matter. He, he is his goal is to figure out uh, primarily what is the meaning of the artifact and B, what is what is uh, going on with Kevin. I, I would and- say the other way around. I don't know. I, I still think that his scientific curiosity is getting the better of him more than the safety of of, uh, of Kevin here. Really? Um, well, he, he didn't quite care quite as much about helping Kevin until the artifact was gone. I, I don't know. I think. Uh, oh, either way. Well, you, the, you, either way, you'll you'll at least explain. I why. agree that both of these are. No, no. Very just explain to me why, because I'm interested. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I disagree, but. I, I don't know that there's any overwhelming evidence either way. I, I'm interested in why you think that. Well, I think that, I mean, he does care about Kevin. I mean, that, that's that's pretty clear. Um, he also very much cares about the artifact. And I think that the fact that those those line up with each other is convenient for him. And I think that, I don't know, I, I just happen to think that if if he hadn't realized that the connection to the artifact was there with Kevin, he, he may not have stayed in Eureka. See, I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily argue with that, but I think I come at it from a kind of different direction. Like for me, I think that there's kind of a coincidence here because the artifact, the reason that he didn't help Kevin in the past was that there was no method by which to do it. The accident that happened that essentially put the artifact in Kevin or, or integrated the two somehow, right? Happened fairly recently. And that is when the changes started to take place with Kevin and their concern, both their opportunity and their concern peaked together. Like on one hand, it gave them opportunities to maybe do something different, but also I think that based on what, Stark already knew about the the uh, about the uh, the artifact. I think that that put him kind of in fear for Kevin's safety. Like he had seen the artifact eat people and and consume right. things, and he's like, "Oh crap! It's in my son," you know. And I've got to. I think from that moment forward, it's sort of like you can't separate the two. You know, it's like his concern for Kevin and his need to understand the artifact are the same thing. You know. Right. I, I guess it's just hard to to look at how obsessive and risk taking he got with right. his uh, with his season one obsession with the artifact. Um, I mean, all, all, some of that could also be guilt because he was the one pushing the schedule on the artifact. True. Right. Absolutely. So that's the other thing is if if he's feeling guilt, then that's also a, a strong drive. Not, not to say that it's not a a, a noble effort here. I mean, the, he's oh, obviously yeah. trying to help Kevin out, but I think that it's not. I think that there's enough going on other than that to uh, to kind of make me think that it's yeah. It's, like I said, my, it has more to do with the artifact. But I think my argument it's not really necessarily against yours. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of right, like, right. It's, like it, a it's just angle, kind of down you know? the, the the other side of the same rail. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, either way, though, this is a, a, a continuing progression of of Allison in two ways. One is the distancing of herself from Carter. 
Yeah. Uh, which has been happening since the start of the season. It's just they're, they're growing apart, and it is because of Stark being there, and it is because of what's happening uh, with, with Kevin here. And the second of all, is, as well, is the, the, the I think, the, kind of the coldness that's, that's creeping into the way that she looks at things. Uh, she, she's taken on an air of professionalism and bas- basically kind of the, in, in the same way that, that Stark was in season one. She's got to try to distance herself um, from a lot of things now that she's running GT here. Right. And that that cold view is I don't think she can handle it quite as well as Stark could. So it's starting to creep into stuff like this where she's like, you know, I know that this is hurting people. Um, I know people have died because of this, but I need to know what's going on with my son. And it's going down that kind of dangerous path of really how many people are you willing to hurt to, uh, yeah, that's to, it. to look out for the one you love. I mean, the, that's no that's the division here is that they both want, are are willing to take big risks and and i think that you know i think that she's willing allison is willing to take some risks with other people even but i think that that stark is willing to take a lot more of those risks and that that's that's the separation again good good writing nobody's really good or bad here Nobody's really obviously right or wrong. Everybody's a little bit wrong, and in some cases for good reasons, in some cases not, and that makes for an interesting story, you know? Right. It, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm excited I, I, about where this is leading, you know? I, I think that the, the dynamic between uh, Stark and Carter and and uh, and Allison, this little triangle going on, is is awesome. And it, it I, I want to say it never quite completely goes away, but uh, it it does, I suppose. But we won't we won't spoil that. <laughs> you know? right. But uh, the cool thing is, is that I think Audra is here and Audra can now pronounce the name of this episode for us. <laughs> I, I called it Nacho de Suenos, but, you know, that's probably not <laughs> no, Noche de Sueños. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I don't speak uh, <laughs> Spanish. See, now the party can start. Uh, yeah, yeah. Noche, noche de Sueños, which literally means night of dreams. Oh, so it makes sense, too. Yeah, yeah, huh. absolutely. Right. So noche is night. You could say buenos noches, which means good night. Sueños is dreams. So it doesn't mean good nachos, then. No. Oh. <laughs> No, nachos that will be with an A. Damn, okay. Yeah, sorry to burst your bubble. Damn. Lo okay. siento. Yeah. <laughs> just to fill you in on what you missed here, Audra, we were just talking about uh, 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 Stark, and Allison's, uh, Stark and Allison's, uh, how far they're willing to go with, uh, with uh, figuring out what's wrong with uh, Kevin yeah. and the artifact. But before that. But before that, we touched on the most important part of this episode. For you. Uh, we brought it up as as some some wicked good male nakedness going on in this episode with uh, with Carter's uh, initial I'm dream. walking around doing everything naked dream. You know that's funny because this is the kind of uh, male nakedness. Like, what's the episode, Chuck? The Firefly episode that begins with is it trash? Trash with, with Mal sitting trash. on the rock. It's the kind of male nakedness well, that, well. that is not portrayed as sexy, and it's kind of hard to see it as sexy because it's just funny. 
Like male yeah. <laughs> male butts are funny. What what did I call it? The uh, shh eating grin that was on his face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 It's it's like funny naked. Oh, okay. So as much as I mean, Colin Ferguson is an attractive man. Don't get me wrong, very attractive man. But when he's so, but anyone who's portrayed in that is going to look funny. So then, in that case, I have a follow up question to this. <laughs> uh, in in the other dream, who was more attractive, uh, <laughs> the Fargo or or Stark? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stark with his his open bare-chested silk shirt kind of thing or the uh the masked fargo in the in the all black uh, that cuts the he can cut an f <laughs> he cuts that. the f into uh, joe's dress is that a euphemism <laughs> yes it is um i gotta go with the uh bare-chested uh stark on that one and uh i know that i complain a lot about stark being like not so nice a guy and kind of dickish and stuff but he definitely pulls that role off better. Uh, he's got the little, you know, the beard. Like, he can grow a beard. I don't know if Fargo can even grow facial hair. Um, Stark, Stark has a better body. He's taller. His Spanish accent is more convincing. Um, although he does mispronounce some. There's something that he says. Um, I'm trying Nacho to just suing us? <laughs> no, he says... Uh, Oh crap! He he gets one of the uh, the pronouns wrong. So instead of saying like you something, he says I something. I, I can't remember what it is, but but yet it's still more convincing than Fargo's than Fargo's <laughs> accent. Quick quick sidebar on on the Google Hangouts. Uh, whenever um, you know Andy from uh, from I guess Germany. Uh-huh. Whenever Andy's on there, and and he and he and Abby start talking in German, I I do a Google Translate on phrasing and try to mispronounce as much German as I can and they just both start cringing it's hilarious wait wait Abby speaks German yeah a little bit yeah conversationally I believe so but she's she's from the US but she studied German some people do learn oh that's cool well I know I know people learn but I mean it's not an assumption one easily makes Everyone knows that Americans don't take their foreign language studies seriously. Come on. Actually, it's funny. I remember, and I've told you this story, but I don't think I've ever told you one. Um, in in high school, we had this situation where a friend of mine and I were trying to get this old Mercedes running. <laughs> and the Mercedes, it, it, it had been this one that had been illegally imported by some, some uh, Air Force personnel at the nearby base. Oh, and they really? just left it there because you couldn't register it or anything. And it was in his yard. And we really wanted to drive it because it was this black, it was this pimp Mercedes. It was, it was a black 240 with, uh, with uh, a red interior leather. That is Whoa. pretty pimp. It was nice. pimp. It was totally pimp. <laughs> pimp in the most <laughs> complete sense of the word. It came Literally. with a cup. It did. It did. And a and, staff. So we were like, you and know, hat. we got to get this thing running. And, and we were working on it. In and a purple suit. The problem is, is that either, you know, you this was kind of before it was a 70s model. And this was before you had everything went to the kind of indicators that were pictures, you know, the pictographs. So there were words on them and this, it would, it would kind of stutter and almost start and this light would come on that had this word on it. And it was in German, you know, I love how the, you call it pictograph. Like it's a, uh, you know, from a Egyptian palette or something. It's cause that's what like, it's where's Dr. Jackson. Let's translate this. Yeah. Crap. You laugh, but it's cause it's what you're kind of thinking, you know, yeah, literally yeah. like I can't make this car run. That would be a very Jackson sort of thing. You know, I can't make this stupid control panel work on this 
gadget, you know, because there's printing on it, don't get, figure it out, you know, and that's how we were. We were like, I don't know. But there was this this teacher who taught the French classes at school, which also taught German. I wanted to take German, but they were not going to offer it the next year, so I didn't get to. I'm like, we'll just, being my mother was a teacher, I'm like, there, she won't mind. So I literally looked her up in the phone book. It was over the summer. And I call her and I'm like, hey, this is Chuck from your French class. <laughs> my friend and I are working on this German car. This light keeps coming on and we don't know what it is. Can we come show you this? She's like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? Yeah. That's how it's teachers like, are. That light means explosion. <laughs> you laugh. Yeah. That's exactly what it meant. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. It means explosion. And we're, we're like, yeah, literally explosion. explosion. And we're like, really? what the yeah. hell? <laughs> and it took us a while thinking about it before we figured out it meant ignition. Right. Oh, so okay. literally, yeah. literally the uh, explosion. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, the coil had failed on it, and so we figured that out, and then we replaced it. It worked. So anyway, a lot of we, exp- don't know we replaced the explosion coil and everything with. Like- <laughs> you laugh. You know, explosion ignition. We're like, hey. <laughs> Yeah, but I was going to say a lot of people don't know that um, a lot of teachers are really happy to help you with stuff like that. Like, you know, they're just in a lot of cases they're waiting to be asked. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we complain about like, oh, you know, people aren't doing what they're supposed to do or whatever. But when it comes down to it, if you're really interested and you want help, that's what teachers live for. Is someone who's excited coming and saying, "Hey, can you help me figure this out?" Like that's why people teach is because they love that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, she she was nice. I was appreciate. I, we were very appreciative. We did get it running, and we rolled around in our pimp Mercedes and failed to pick up chicks with it. So <laughs> they were that not was impressed. The style at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They apparently as is tradition. <laughs> they, they apparently were not impressed with our uh, made it run from his yard pimp Mercedes. Oh well. Hey, baby, you want to come check out my explosion coil? <laughs> yeah not so much but then we put a stereo in it and it still didn't work but anyway, <laughs> anyway. I, I still love when uh when uh fargo goes oh that's good to know well, why why is that well that could just means that it wasn't me that was having that dream <laughs> and, then she, and then joe's like oh crap oh no <laughs> you know joe's spanish accent was so good that i actually thought that she might be hispanic until i looked like the first time i ever saw this and then yeah. i looked her up and it turns out that she's um like her heritage is italian i don't think she's italian but um that would make sense though because i mean the pronunciations are pretty similar right but i was like wow her accent is good <laughs> <laughs> oh that was hilarious <laughs> i love how everyone like bunks up in the uh, in the cafe, the, the it, it's 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 a great troubleshooting thing. It's it's it, it almost felt like debugging something. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's it's a, it's a problem on all this part of the network. So let's go over here. Oh no, it's still a problem. Well, Crap. I love how Vince doesn't mind. They're like, can we all sleep in the cafe? Like the whole town, can we all sleep in Vince the cafe? Is like, and Vince sure, is like, sure. Not? I'm like, who's gonna move all those tables and chairs? You know, Vince doesn't even mind. I mean, apparently there's a staff to do that. Yeah, it's called all the people that are gonna sleep there. they're all on the clock they're like well we're gonna die maybe we should move some chairs at least we could die lying down semi-comfortably (laughs) while we share in each other's (laughs) dreams from hell it's like so this could either be the cure or we could all grouply uh, group encounter the most horrifying dreams 
ever. Which is pretty much what well, happens. Be yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he dies at age 83, removing a bra with his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's pretty sexy, eh? I wonder whose bra. Age 83, probably your own. <laughs> <laughs> Little red dwarf there. I don't do a very good cat, but I try. <laughs> John Jules, I am not. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and, and then in the end, we come back around to the, uh, you know, to the whole Stark um, Allison thing where we, she gives in first, you know, Allison is very much willing, you know, less willing to take risks with everyone. And really, she leaves it way to the last second, though. True, but not quite as last second as Stark would, meaning no second. And, uh, and of course, well, I mean, she left it to the point where people had died. Yeah. Well, granted, that was that she she knew she let it go on after they knew people were dying because of it specifically, which is which is why I'm kind of worried about her. Like what what I was saying before you got here, Audra, is that she she's taking on that kind of cold business look on on everything, like very professionalism. Yeah. Uh, but she can't handle it as well as Stark could. So it's starting to creep into decisions like this, where she knows what the kind of you know right thing to do is, but. Uh, she needs to know what's going on with her son, so she's she's willing to risk the lives of these fifty people to figure that out. I don't mean to like I'm not trying to scapegoat Stark or anything, but I really don't like the way that Allison is when she's with him. I feel like Allison is a better person when she's with Jack. Like Jack brings out the better parts. Well, you of got her. you got to wonder which parts of that are are Stark specifically or. Um, a lot of what we see of her in this season is her on the job too, right? Yeah. And she's having to throw that stark professionalism at a lot of what's going on here. So it's, I, I don't know if it's necessarily him specifically. I mean, not to yeah. not throw him under the bus. No, it's not his <laughs> fault. But I mean, I think that the part of Allison that does well as the head of GD is the part of Allison that does well with Stark. You know, that, that side of her. Interesting. I could see that. Yeah, and, and the part of her that does better kind of as a doctor or as a scientist or a researcher or as a mom is the one who does better with Jack. Yeah, I, I think overall she can be a better person when she's not in charge of that many lives. And maybe that's part of the nature of the job, too, is that whoever is in that position is going to have to... Well, that, that goes back to the House Rules conversation of, of you know, uh, when Stark was talking about, you know, somebody's got to take the hit and and be the bureaucrat to, to let everyone else do their job, right? Yeah. And, and he, 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 uh, when he was head of GD, he was making that sacrifice. He was having to make those hard decisions. And it just doesn't sit as well with Allison as when she's, she's the one doing her own research or being uh, the... Uh, the rep to the to the DOD or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I guess it does seem a little bit incongruous that, like, I like Allison so much, but she is kind of responsible. I mean, she's being irresponsible in this case, and people are dying from this dream experiment. And I never really feel like it's her fault, and I don't know if that's because I just like her so much or... Well, the, it, it, it's hard for me to not draw some of the blame towards her because it, it was pretty clear from what they were talking about, especially when uh, she shared that dream with, with, uh, with Kevin is that that, that type of shared dreaming is specifically what this device was meant to do. 
right. was meant to kind of get in and, and, you know, share that dream. You can experience it and, and maybe figure out what's, what's wrong with Kevin. If there's something that in, from the artifact that's messing with his head and, and help him out. And when all this group dreaming goes on, she does let that investigation run its own course. And, and not going, well, I, I just started this up at the exact same time that yeah. all this stuff starts Surely to be Surely this would have no, nothing to do with... <laughs> well, I mean, right. she, she asked Nathan, though, right? And he kind of insists that it has nothing to do with it. Um, well, yeah, and, and but uh, the other thing is Nathan is very obsessed with figuring out what's going on with the artifact and what's going on with Kevin. So he's willing to dismiss it just just flat out, just, you know... I, I've been through all the variables of the stuff that I'm doing right here, not thinking that maybe somebody else might be doing something in Eureka, go figure, yeah. that, that could interfere with it. And, and that's what happens a lot on Eureka, is that it's not anybody's specific fault, like, oh, I started this up because I'm necessarily a disgruntled person. I mean, that does happen in certain stories. But a lot of the time, it's like, I'm doing this one experiment that if you only look at the parameters of that experiment, everything should work fine. And there's this another person doing the exact same thing. And the fact that they're all, you know, concentrated in the same location means that that's going to cross over at some point. You know, it's, it's the same like, you know, oh, well, we're using this homing beacon for these ships, but we cross over into some other country's uh, radio space where they're using the same frequency and it starts directing us off course. It's like, go figure that's going to happen. Right. Um, you, you know you, what this reminds me of? Yeah, you yeah. know what this reminds me of is like um, really high level court decisions, like like um, when things go up like to many many levels up into like the federal level, and then courts make these decisions that people may not understand, and a lot of times what they're saying is you have to consider all of these really really broad implications that may not be apparent initially. But it's really right. important and, to consider all of them because, you know, someday and, down the road, one little thing could happen. It could really make a big difference. And that seems to be a fundamental limitation of a lot of the people in Eureka is that they're very focused on what they're doing. Uh, and they're, they're not really thinking about the kind of the broader implications and, and interactions between other people. And, I mean, that's, that's half the reason why Carter is so valuable is because because he's not dug deep into any of these projects specifically he can say well you know piece that together with that and you know could we have 50 level g employees or whatever it was interfacing with this neural network just and then have the dream thing start to affect it because of the proximity to one of these people and it suddenly links them all together and and you know you can figure out stuff like that um whereas if if he wasn't there all of these GD employees would be sitting there with their own projects going, well, it's not my stuff and it's not my stuff and it's not my stuff, but we're not going to talk to anybody about it. And you never get that communication. God, you that, know what though? <laughs> that actually connects no, it together. You have no right? idea how, how common that is. Like, awesome. I, I mean, I, I make part of my living as a project manager and it's right. just absurd. I mean, literally no one ever talks to anyone ever. <laughs> Like, like, and when uh, you, even yeah. if you ask people to talk to each other, the chances are they won't. Everybody <laughs> wants to do their piece, stick their head in the sand, and yeah. then and then just be completely out of the loop so that they don't have any responsibility beyond that piece. And did you set up the meeting? Did you take roll call? 
No? Okay, then they didn't meet. <laughs> and the, No, and the problem is that, you know, in a lot of cases, those things do interact, and all it takes is a small amount of communication between... And you know what's funny? We all laugh about the people person joke, right? We all laugh about how an office... I'm a people person. I take the thing from the engineer, the specs from the... Uh, from the <laughs> and I give them to the engineers. And you know what? Because that you, guy's funny. You know why they do that? You know why there's a huge market, and I even make some of my living as a fracking people person? You know why? Because people, people don't talk to each yeah, other. Because yeah. what wants well, right here? You know, you have this, you have this space chock full of geniuses, and they will not talk to each other. You have to pay a carter to talk to each other for them. He's a people person. That's actually an interesting point. Well, I mean, it, you could say the show is making the argument that you need someone who's more grounded and kind of down to earth to sort of connect all of these. Maybe in that case, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the in the standard office, no. It's just that most people, I don't know. It's frustrating. You should be able to make do with, I guess I shouldn't complain. It, 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 it's, uh, no, it's it's one of those fractal things where it's applicable at all levels. I mean, even in actual software true, development. True, it's, it's so like true. You develop like 15 different procedures, and then the customer goes and uses them in a way that you never thought. And, oh, well, you, you would never use, you know, feature number one with feature number 15 and it's like well we would and then oh crap now stuff's breaking it, it's 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 one of those things well, that's really <laughs> applicable to anything where it's not just i mean, where you're not just very focused on one very specific thing everything will start interacting with everything and you know this we're, we're into the jurassic park chaos theory thing right yeah yeah well and that's the thing is that the world is like that like everything that is used in the real world has that kind of loose spec to it. You know, things don't quite work the way you expected that they will. People don't use them in the way you expect that they will. People don't interact in the way things, you know, separate parts of a project don't interact. It doesn't matter. Like you said, it's a fractal thing. It happens at all levels. And the trick is that life is simpler if you can pretend that your piece is standalone. And we all want simple lives if possible, right? Well, right. And that's, that's why you get so many of these stories in Eureka of, of just what seems to be arrogant scientists. And the only, the, the, the reason that they're arrogant is because, well, in the scope of where I do my work with what project I'm on, I have accounted for everything. And I'm sure that they have, but they're not looking at the correct level of scope. Um, in the real world, it, I'm in betting, the real world, right? This is why you have bureaucracy and a lot of it. This is yeah. why if you have a real eureka out there or something that's the functional equivalent, whatever that might be, you're going to have a number of people whose job it is to do exactly that. It's to keep track of all that stuff and to abstract it up the oh, yeah. system so that somebody can look at it and they don't kill anybody. Yeah, over the over the Christmas break uh, at, at work, I was I was doing this gigantic project, uh, and I, I learned the value of the the customer representative contact, the project manager that that wasn't technically verbose on all of the specifics that I was working on. You know, the uh, the, the the team director and all that kind of stuff, and and the advantages of of the the people that are able to kind of stand back and say, okay. You're talking about these problems. You're talking about these problems. Let's look at it from a higher perspective. Let's get on a conference call and stuff that was taking, you know, that could potentially take weeks to figure out would take five minutes once you started to look at it from a higher up perspective. And, and that's, that's what a lot of stuff comes down to is, is what perspective are you throwing at this? So. I think another thing that this shows, this particular episode, is that Allison is willing to do almost anything to connect with her son. 
And I think that that's understandable and also maybe a little bit, you know, unnerving because I think it shows that she's willing to take risks uh, or, or maybe put other people at risk in order to have that connection. And it says a lot about, you know, what she desires out of the relationship with her son. But um, it's that, a little scary almost. How, how, how far are you willing to go for someone you love, right? Yeah. And uh, actually, is, if it, a really good uh, a sidebar, a really good uh, game actually is on the PlayStation 3 called Heavy Rain, where you are asked that specific question. It's a, I won't say anything more on it because it, it's all spoilers. But uh, if, if you like that question, Heavy Rain is a very good game to play. Sorry, going back right, to what right. we're talking about, Audra. Yeah, uh, just, um, oh, I, I guess that, you know, putting other people at risk is a little bit uh, worrisome, but it's also interesting that she would go along with something like that anyway. I mean, I know it's Eureka, and I know that they do all kinds of extraordinary things all the time, but to say, yes, I will participate in this mind-altering experiment that will connect our dreams, and I mean, even people in Eureka don't fully understand the human mind. And they certainly don't understand the artifact. And it's just interesting that they're willing to be so, um, what's the word, like, you know, adventurous with that. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff, messing with your kids' dreams. And I mean, I guess that just shows how far she's willing to go. And and, and she must feel that it's safe, but... um, I don't know. I mean, I would think that when you find out that people are dying from this dream issue, that if I were her, I'd kind of flip out and be like, you need to disconnect my kid from this at all costs. <laughs> well, I think part of that's the fear that uh, that comes along with the... Uh, well, that comes along... We, we, we had been talking earlier about Stark and how, how we, we were kind of arguing slash not arguing right one <laughs> about yeah. about like whether uh whether stark was more interested in the artifact or kevin and uh and and once one uh, feels kind of that he's more interested in the artifact a little bit and i th- i feel like you can't really separate the it's two it's hard wording it that way yeah. but the reason is that and then this is what's kind of applicable to what we're talking about here i think is that you know we both agreed that they kind of glued together when the uh when the accident put the artifact in in Kevin as far as as Stark knows and Stark has seen the artifact eat people and essentially consume you know people in their consciousness and stuff and i think he's rightfully scared that it's in his son and uh and I, maybe that carries over to Allison as well she's seen that happen she knows that happens and now she knows it's in her son. Maybe that fear kind of puts the two together a little bit. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe she feels like it's it's worth kind of taking this step to understand something more that could really be a threat. Um, am I the only, this kind of a change of subject, but am I the only one who really wants to see Kevin's biological dad? Because Stark isn't his dad, right? I don't think so, no. It's like I think Allison was either married before Stark or, or maybe not that. married. That's but, interesting. But yeah, I always wondered who hmm. is Kevin's dad and, and why isn't he part of the picture at all? It'd be kind of cool. If I don't he, think that's anything they've ever touched on, actually. Me either. Yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking. I'm trying to think of like even going forward. I don't think that that's anything that they've yeah. even brought up. So. I mean, I mean, Stark and, and not, not even addressed dad, at all. I, well, I'm pretty sure that they said early, really early on that that Stark is not his biological dad, but huh. I mean, he could be, but, now I'm have to go back but I think Allison says he's not. I think you're right. Well, Hey, you know, we have two kind of pieces of news of all things. 
Yeah, I know. Boom. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and uh, now, oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> wrong podcast. Damn it. Uh, two things. Number one is that we have the release date for uh, the, the premiere date for season five, which Sweet. is April 16th. April 16th. Oh, awesome. Nice. That's, that's like, not far at all. That's like, what, six weeks away? Like the day weeks? after tax day yeah. in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> file your damn taxes you if you will. in the mood. And then but you're you feeling watch... the lowest of the low. Start watching Yuri. <laughs> It'd be funny if they made tax jokes in in the first episode. That'd be that'd be pretty awesome. Not that they had any idea when it would air, right? But that's really cool. So that also means that uh, obviously when the new show comes out, we'll be switching back to uh, the new stuff. Yeah, to watching the new stuff, which will be kind of entertaining. Um, and the second piece of news was that uh, um, Jamie Paglia, is that how you say his name? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think it's Paglia. Paglia? Paglia? Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad because I've, I've seen him introduced at Comic-Con and I didn't, I don't remember how they pronounced his name. I feel like a jackass. Anyway. Yeah, I think it's a, an Italian name. Well, he uh, tweeted, I guess last week, I think it was, that, uh, that Sci-Fi is developing a spectrum and he linked to a, he linked to a variety piece. Which he and James Middleton are on board to executive produce. Wait, a, a spec what? A spec drama. This means oh, that, a drama. Oh, cool. Yeah, this means that uh, there's a possibility they're going to do a pilot, I would assume, and that maybe that could get picked up. Uh, and it, sends, it says, the Variety article says that he's overseeing a fifth and final season of Eureka, uh, which, he, which he co-created and executive produced. And uh, the, the show is going to be called Bob from Corporate. And let's see, they say that the pilot is about a clandestine organization known only as corporate that solves dangerous mysteries caused by science and technology gone awry, <laughs> taught by an enigmatic leader who operates uh, with a strong moral code and a very big gun. <laughs> yeah, so uh, pretty. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's very much in the Warehouse 13 Eureka, Eureka model, vein. Yeah. Uh, though Warehouse 13 has always been a little bit kind of more mystic, mm-hmm. whereas... Uh, whereas More Eure- supernatural. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More supernatural, whereas Eureka has been more science-based. Science-based, yeah. So I always thought they kind of went together and, and kind of struck a nice balance. And with Eureka gone, they'll... You know, it, it's, it's tempting to see sci-fi kind of diving toward that ghost hunter direction a little bit. And I would kind of, I think something like this, that if it was indeed focused more in science again, could be really cool to help strike that balance again. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going to, hopefully it makes it all the way to us seeing it. That would be kind of cool. You know, I got (laughs) to mention real quick, there's this, uh, there's this great book. It's kind of an academic book, but it's, it's, it's fat, like a thousand pages or something. And it's called Religion and the Decline of Magic. And it talks all about the history of basically how um, Judeo-Christian beliefs came to slowly replace what were then common beliefs about um, essentially uh, magical things, uh, supernatural, like witchcraft and, you know, Merlin powers and stuff like that, and how eventually that stuff gave way to religion and that religion almost kind of made that stuff go out of style. But it's interesting to me how um, we have these shows that are very science-based and you have, you have Eureka looking at, at it like the world in a very scientific view. And then you have warehouse 13 where you have these scientists and these pragmatists and uh, you know, people who observe the world. And yet there's all this supernatural element to it. 
um, it's just really interesting that you could have, and, and their sister shows and sister cities, and we see some crossover. And it's interesting that you could have scientists dealing both with magic and supernatural things and with measurable, observable things. You well, know what guys, I mean? we, I'm sorry to interrupt. We are going to have to wrap up because we're out of time and we got another podcast coming in just a couple of minutes here. One, you got anything to add here at the end? Nope. <laughs> he never does. I always ask. He never does. Same with Modern Geek, by the way. Uh, the week you don't ask, I will have something. And I'll be like, click. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, Audra? Yeah, uh, just that's my that's my thing to think about for the week. Hell yeah. Well, we will see you back next week. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.